welcome. You're listening to a sermon podcast from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. So we are uh, we're finishing up our our short three ser- three week series um, that we've. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep in this formational journey that we've been in, uh, where when we come to a, the end of a uh, of a series, it is customary to express some sort of sound of disappointment or 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 mourning to lament to lament the coming of the end of to a, of a series with some sort of vocal expression something like that would be great at this point so i'm just going to start over again and we're going to do this until we get it right um so we are finishing up our short three-week series that we've... You almost missed it again. My goodness. Wow. <laughs> so that'd be... Okay, okay. That's enough practice for today. Over the past three weeks, we've been looking at these same three verses in Hebrews chapter 13. And we've been focusing on what they have to teach us about our practice of hospitality in the context of our Oak Hills Church family. Week one, we focused on the instruction in verse one to let love for our brothers and sisters abound. Uh, The reality that hospitality only makes sense, only can flow in a context where love is already present, is already circulating between the members of the family, the, the people there present. It's impossible really to make space for, to care for, to welcome in outsiders and strangers into a context or into a space where there is no love flowing between the people that are already there. So love for the stranger really starts with love for the people that you have a connection with, love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Then last week we looked at the instruction in verse 2, to not forget to love the stranger. And, you know, I, I we talked about this, you know, is hospitality being this spirit that operates in the space that we actually inhabit. As we work at, at inhabiting this, you know, 10-foot circle uh, around us with love and reception and acceptance and grace and this expectation of encountering Christ through the strangers that we welcome into our space. And I, I know I camped on this idea of this 10-foot circle, which really is a completely arbitrary thing it's not like the bible ever refers to any sort of thing of 10 foot circle or anything like that but i thought it was important that we thought about it this way because of the fact that sometimes hospitality can become this this concept or a theory or this idea that we you know we ponder and we strategize and you know spend hours talking about how we we should care about you know these hypothetical strangers that are wandering the world but then we get so busy theorizing about these hypothetical strangers out there that we never actually make space for any of the actual people that are coming in and out of our lives hospitality is about making space real space for real people and so starting from a three-dimensional platform is really, really important when we talk about hospitality. Of course, 
as soon as you take that space seriously, you realize that there are a lot of people that will never enter that 10-foot circle. Like, it... 10-foot circle really limits our ability to extend hospitality, especially uh, those who might be limited in their mobility who are stuck somewhere else. It could be, you know, across town, or it could be on the other side of the world. And especially for those of us who gather in this very nice church, in this very nice town, surrounded by all these very nice people. Some of the people who are outside our 10-foot circle are the folks that well, Jesus really, really cares about. The poor, the marginalized, the prisoner, the oppressed, the enslaved, the hurting, the sick, the refugee. So, you know, to, to limit our conversation about hospitality to just our 10-foot circle... When, especially when our 10-foot circle is the affluent, homogenous, well-kept confines of the suburbs. Well, it can kind of make our conversation about hospitality sound hollow, sound cheap, maybe even irrelevant. Really, it would be natural to realize all that and say, well, Man, i got to move my 10-foot circle. In order to be able to offer hospitality to some of the people that most need it, that God most cares about, i gotta, I got to move to where they are. I can't just leave my 10-foot circle here. Which is an awesome thing to do. A lot of Christ followers have done that. It is the reason why here at Oak Hills we continually support ministry partners all around the world. People have purposely taken their 10-foot circle and moved it to be closer to people that need hospitality. Of course, one of the realities that you face when you pick up your 10-foot circle and move it somewhere is that when you get there, whether it's to the other side of the city or the other side of the country or the other side of the world, your 10-foot circle doesn't get any bigger. It's still right where you are. There are still a lot of people that won't ever come in to your circle. Now that you've gone there, you can practice hospitality to the people there, but you're no longer able to practice hospitality to the people here. The three-dimensional space that you inhabit is still limited to the space where you actually are. Fortunately, though, even though we as human beings, we are physical beings that inhabit three-dimensional space, we are also spiritual beings that can wander and inhabit spiritual space as well. In addition to the hallways and the sidewalks and the buildings of the physical world, we also we wander in the space of thought and feelings and desires. So in a very real sense, the 10-foot circle around us 
is not the only space that we inhabit or that we own. In fact, it's not even where we spend most of our time. For many of us, most of our time is spent in the space of our mind. Actually, you could argue that that is the space that we most, where we exercise most of our domain. We most inherently own the space of our mind. And because of this, the concept of hospitality, of making room for the stranger, it can also be lived out in the space of our mind as well, which is precisely where verse 3 calls us to go. Hebrews says, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. And those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Continue to remember. Remember. Remember sometimes gets a bad rap in our day. Especially when it comes uh, to those who are suffering in some way or another. Remember, you know, it, it just seems so passive, so cheap. You know, something that you would say at a press conference uh, to give the impression that you care rather than something that, you know, actually alleviates any real pain or suffering. Remember. Is that it? I mean, like, shouldn't we be doing something here about these people? And of course, the Bible here isn't advocating mere, you know, thoughts and prayers towards those who are suffering as opposed to, you know, hands-on action. All throughout the Bible, really, from cover to cover, the people of God are always called to hands-on action with regard to those in prison, those who are suffering, to intervene, to alleviate, to comfort, to be present with them. This verse here, this call to remember is not an out clause. You know, this is, oh, well, no, you really don't have to do anything. about. Just, you know, just think about it. You'll be fine. What it is, I believe, is a recognition that physically speaking, We can only be where we are. I know that's a deep thought. And therefore, no matter where we are, there will always be those who are physically out of our reach. But being out of our reach physically does not mean that they are out of our reach spiritually. Out of sight ought not to mean out of Mind. And the pragmatic control freak in us, it it doesn't like that. I I mean, the, the hardcore pragmatist in us refuses to acknowledge that there might be some situation out there that we can do nothing about. Like, the hardcore pragmatist in us, it believes we can do anything, fix anything, right? Every wrong, overturn, every injustice. Which is great. It's a great mobilizing sentiment. uh, And it works great to get people to move, you know, their circle out and get on the field and start doing stuff. Which is great. 
But again, once you get out there and you start doing stuff, you very quickly realize that there are things that you personally cannot address, cannot change. People that you will not reach. Situations that you cannot correct. And it is in the face of that reality that the hardcore pragmatist in us actually kind of works against what God wants to do in the world. See, the pragmatist in us says if there's nothing you can do about it, well then, forget about it. Why waste mental space? Why waste mental energy on stuff you cannot change? People you cannot reach. You see, we can approach our mental space with the same scarcity ethic with which we approach our physical space. Which is why this call to remember, it fits in this series here that we've been in on restoring hospitality. Because a call to remember is a call to hospitality of the mind. To take some of the energy and space that we would dedicate to our own stuff, to the Sacramento Kings, for example, to our own agenda, to our own pleasure and entertainment. And to invite those outside of our immediate physical space into that mental space. Set a table before them. Sit with them. Pour a cup of tea. Now, it is true that hospitality of the mind does involve more than just thinking about those in prison. Those who are suffering and mistreated. Just like physical hospitality involves more than just letting people into your space. Hospitality is about how you treat people once they enter that space, right? Whether it is physical or mental. And so Hebrews here calls us not just to, you know, think about them. But to think about them in a particular way. For those in prison, Hebrews writes... As if we were in prison with them. For those who are mistreated. As if it were us who were suffering. Because of course there is a way to think about these folks that is not hospitable. Where it is not hospitality of the mind but hostility of the mind. We all know what that feels like. There's a way to dedicate mental space to those in prison where we think about how they are all right where they belong. There's a way to remember those who suffer who simply just we're really, really glad that it's not us. There's a way to remember those in prison and those who are mistreated where, you know, we get really sad about the fact that they are there. To the point where ah, we just actually get depressed about all the people out there in prison and suffering. And actually, our mental space now is more dedicated about how we're feeling about their suffering. Because we're feeling really, really bad. 
rather than about them. But here Hebrews is calling us past thoughts of judgment where we figure that they must have done something to deserve whatever it is that they're going through or, or, or past even feelings of sympathy where we feel sad about what they're going through. Hebrews here is calling us to empathy where we identify with their imprisonment, with their suffering. We allow ourselves to feel the confinement, feel the suffering ourselves. This is a hospitality of the heart, where we make space not just in our thinking, but also in our feelings. And we just have to be honest here. This is going to take some practice. It is hard to identify with people experiencing things that we have never experienced. What does it feel like to be in prison? I don't know. All I have access to is my experience. All I have access to are are the little confinements that I have experienced in life. You know, getting stuck in traffic. Moments where I was not free to move about wherever I wanted. Going through TSA at the airport. Where I was forced to do things, to be places I didn't want to do or be. Forced to be in close quarters with people that I didn't pick. Thanksgiving dinner. Or even the times where I was experiencing like the remorse, the regret, guilt, or consequences for something that I did and I got caught doing. What does it feel like to be mistreated? I don't know. All I have access to are the little injustices that I have experienced in life. The times where I was misunderstood or misjudged or treated unfairly. And while my little confinements and little mistreatments, they don't compare to the imprisonments and the injustices that others have felt, others have experienced, I can at least access those feelings, access those experiences, and just multiply them by a factor of a thousand. To at least begin to feel what those in prison and those who are suffering feel. Because let's be honest, these are not pleasant feelings that we are talking about. These are places of the heart that we would rather not travel to. Feelings and emotions that we'd rather forget or avoid. And yet, true Holistic Christian hospitality starts, yes, with love for our brothers and sisters and extends, yes, to the strangers that enter this space that we inhabit. But it also includes our heart and our willingness to entertain and host the pain and suffering that those far away from us are feeling and experiencing. Which is a terrifying idea when you actually let it sink in. 
I mean, there are a lot of people in prison around the world. In conditions and oppressions that are terrifying. Some of them, some of them are our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in prison because of the faith that we share with them in Jesus. Some of them are there because they have some injustice. They have been falsely convicted. Some of them are there because they have done something wrong and they have been duly convicted by the laws of whatever state they are a part of. The idea of remembering them as if we were there doing time with them. That's a heavy burden. There are a lot of people that are being mistreated in the world. They are victims of oppression and injustice and bullying and neglect. The thought of remembering all of those people with the same feeling as if, as if it was happening to us. The thought of that anger, that frustration, the desperation of it all, it, it might it might overrun us. How can it be that God is calling us to live with these feelings of pain and anxiety that we can do nothing about? But of course, we must remember that as the people of God, who have been grafted into the fellowship of the Trinity by the power of the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus. When we as the people of God remember with empathy in Jesus' name, it's not simply futile fretting. It's actually called prayer. Prayer. Paul reminds us in Philippians 4, 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. This call to hospitality of the heart, it's not a call to carry anxiety and stress of the world. It is a call to lifting up the suffering and injustice of the world to God in prayer. Again, as humans, we live in three-dimensional space, but we can also traffic in the spiritual realm, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be vehicles of comfort, care, of encouragement, strength, empathy, and company. To the spirit of those who are in prison, to the spirit of those who are suffering. And, again, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that spirit of comfort and courage and strength can result in physical healing and physical freedom and physical justice for those who we are remembering. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful, James reminds us. But prayer for those who are suffering, it starts by making space for them. Making space for their condition, for their situation in our minds, in our hearts. 
It starts with hospitality of the heart. Which is why we, you know, in the life of our church, in the liturgy of our church, we make space on Sunday mornings for our community prayer, to pray for our ministries partners, for pray for the other churches in town, for the stuff that's going on in the world, to, to respond to the various tragedies that we might be carrying as a society. It's why we have prayer gatherings throughout the month at our church to spend time with one another, praying for each other, for the situation. And I, I don't say this, we don't do all this uh, so that we can say, oh, phew, there, see, we did it. Whew, got that off. Check. You don't have to think about it anymore. But these spaces that we open up in the life of our church really are to train us in the habit of remembering in empathy in Jesus' name. To train us in the habit of prayer for people. There's a lot of space in our minds. There really is. We spend a lot of time there. And while, yes, if we become overly obsessed with the suffering of others, it might be damaging to our psyche. Let's be honest. There's a lot of space up here that is dedicated to, well, our obsession with us, with what's happening to me. And freeing some of, us, some of that up to remember those in prison. Those who are mistreated, well, it would actually, it'd actually be really good for us. So here's how we're going to end our service today. We've been uh, taking time in the middle of, uh, of our service to do extended greetings, to free up space so that we can connect with one another. Uh, and so as we end our service today, we wanted to free up space so that we can remember those who are imprisoned, those who are mistreated, those who are suffering. We've set up a couple of uh, uh, prayer stations over here. There is a prayer wall. There's sheets of scraps of paper on the table there where you can write out a prayer. Maybe there's somebody that you know that is suffering, somebody you know that is in prison. Maybe it's just the reality of the people suffering around the world. Maybe you grab... Uh, a, a psalm, you know, scroll through your Bible and find a psalm that you just write out for the people that are in prison or suffering around the world. Maybe there's just, you just want to linger and spend time in remembering people who are suffering. Uh, we've set up the kneelers and the cross over here and you can just come and linger there uh, and pray for anyone that comes to mind. Maybe you want to pray with someone, uh, whether it is bringing somebody else to them, or maybe you yourself are in a season of suffering, and you just want somebody to remember you. Uh, we got folks that are here to pray with you. They'll be kind of in the back sort of corners there, uh, and you can go and, and, and just spend time with them. But I just invite you, again, just like we've been doing this exercise in the middle of the service, to connect with each other. To just be bold. Yeah, go warm up your coffee if you want. Uh, 
and spend these moments as we close our service in remembering those who aren't here because they can't be. But we can still be hospitable to them in our hearts and minds. So let me pray for us and then we'll just free each other up to go for a while and uh, Jordan and the band will be singing a song that we can join in in worship as well. And then, you know, after a while, I'll come up and close our time and, and dismiss us. So would you bow your heads with me? So Father, we, we do confess that so much of our remembering is directed towards ourselves, towards the things that concern us, things that affect us. And we forget to make space in our hearts and minds for those who you love, who are in prison, who are mistreated around the world, who are suffering injustices. So Holy Spirit, as we take this time to remember, as you call us to pray that you would draw people and names and places and situations uh, to our mind. That we might join our spirit with your spirit in carrying this burden of the world. Mm -hmm.